I realized something this week. I realized that my face is backwards. And this came as quite a shock to me. It was a weird thing. I was looking at selfies on Facebook, people's selfies, and I went, why are people's, these pictures are backwards. I mean, not all of them, not all selfies are backwards, but some of them are backwards. You can tell because of the writing in the background. And I I did a little bit of research and discovered that when you hold up your phone to take a selfie, it's showing you a mirror image. Not like a regular camera where when you move the camera from left to right, the image moves from left to right because when it's in selfie mode, then it does it the opposite so that your face looks like it would to you when you look in the mirror. Which means when you look in the mirror, your face is backwards from the way that everyone else sees it all the time. So if you're accustomed to, you have the part in your hair on one side and it goes one way and that looks to you in a certain way, when you're looking in the mirror, it looks the opposite to everyone else when they look at you. Which means my left ear is on the wrong side of my face (laughs) in the way that I perceive of me. And as I began to think of that, I realized that my perception of myself is actually very skewed, not only because my perception of my face is backwards from what everybody else thinks it is, but also because my perception of me is always at eye level. I'm not the same size as everybody else. Their perception of me is very different depending on where their eyes are in relationship to my body. But every time I look at me in the mirror, my eyes are at eye level. And there are parts of me that I never see. Back there. I have no idea what's going on behind me. And as I was thinking about this self-perception stuff, I began to realize these things and it kind of weirded me out. And I share this with you not because it's very strange and it blew my mind today and I'm now setting you up to be thinking about that instead of the text all the rest of the morning, but because what we're talking about this morning is proper self-perception, understanding Yourself, And in order to have a proper self-perception, you have to be looking from the correct angles. And so we're going to look at that this morning. If you'd turn with me to Romans chapter 12, we're this morning going to be in verses 3 through 8, but I want to start at the beginning of Romans chapter 12 just to help us set up the context for this. That it says in Romans chapter 12 verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." So what he's saying is we've had Romans 1 through 11 that is explaining the doctrines, the theology of what it means to be a Christian. All that Jesus has done for us, that God uh, became flesh, uh, died 
and rose again from the dead so that we might be saved from our sin. And even though all have sinned and are separated from God, we might be considered righteous before Him. That's what happens in the beginning of Romans. Now in chapter 12, he's saying, in light of that, in light of that... The, the fact that you were despicable before God because of your sin, but now are seen as righteous and holy in Him because of the work of Jesus. Now, in light of that, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice for Jesus. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. That is your spiritual worship. That in everything you do, you offer yourself as a sacrifice to God. And the way that you're going to begin to do that is by transforming your mind and the way that you think. And the first step in transforming your mind and the way that you think is your self-perception. Who am I? What do I look like? And so we move on to verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we all have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Do you know what the number one inhibitor of you offering your body as a living sacrifice to God as your spiritual worship is? Thinking of yourself too highly. That's going to be the number one inhibitor of you offering your body as a living sacrifice to God. If I think of myself too highly, I am not likely to sacrifice myself for others. Least of all, as an act of worship to God. Because, why would I do that? Well, I don't really need to. It's not really that important. Maybe my perception is, God hasn't really done that much for me. Have you ever been asked for a favor by somebody? Hey, would you do me a favor? And when that person asks for a lot of favors, you're like, only because we're related. That is the only reason that I will do you another favor. You are constantly asking for favors. But then you have that person who is always there for you, is always helping you, is always coming through for you, whether you asked for it or not. They just are always there. And they're never asking for anything. They just always are there to help you whenever you need it. And then suddenly they ask for a favor. Yeah, whatever it is. I'm happy to do that. Why? Well, because my perception is that 
they never ask for a favor from me. And so I'm happy to help. They're always taking care of me and now I have the opportunity to take care of them. My perception then is very different if I consider myself not a needy person, but rather the distributor of goodwill, then I'm less likely to do the same favor, even if the request was the same, but from these two different people. And so when we start to think about ourselves too highly, then we're not going to um, respond to God in a self-sacrificial kind of way because we don't feel like it, because we're tired, because it seems hard, because you don't feel like God deserves it. You would never say that to me. Are you offering your body as a a living sacrifice to God? No, I don't think he deserves it. But the, the practical implication of the way that we behave would say that in the back of our mind, in the unarticulated portion, that's what we believe. And so, when Paul starts this, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. He starts out by going, The the reason that I'm saying this is in light of the grace that I have received from God. Do you remember what kind of grace Paul received from God? Paul was, was trying to destroy the church of Christ. He was persecuting Christians and throwing them in jail and and having them killed to put an end to the church until God revealed Himself and said, Paul, what are you doing? And Paul went, who are you? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. And suddenly Paul's mind changed in the way that he related to God and the way that he related to followers of Jesus Christ. And he considered the mercy that he received from God to be very high in light of all that he had done prior to his understanding of who Jesus was. And Paul's writing now and saying, in light of the grace that's given to me, I'm requesting that every one of you not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I'm asking each of you to consider yourselves with sober judgment, with proper thinking. That's really difficult to do when you're just looking in the mirror. You may have... um, a very high perception of yourself. You may have a very low perception of yourself. It's very unusual for somebody to have an accurate perception of themselves. You look in the mirror and you go, whew, that is one good-looking fellow right there. (laughs) Or you look in the mirror and go, my wife took pity on me. Homely is a kind description for that fellow. But an accurate perception of where you're actually at, who you actually are, and I'm not just talking about physical appearance, I'm talking about who you are. An accurate perception of that is very difficult to come by. It takes other perspectives, not just your own, because I know my own intention all the time. I know my own intention. Most of the time. 
And so I am relating or evaluating everything that I do based on what I consider my intentions to be at the moment. But other people's perceptions of me are maybe less generous than that. Because they don't know what my motivations are, and so they're assigning motives to me or assuming motives of me as I'm doing that. And so I'm coming off in one way, even though I intend to be coming off in another way. It happens all the time. People will tell me, Travis, you don't communicate enough. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what's going on. Really? Because I'm pretty sure I said... Yeah, I wasn't in that conversation. You said that to somebody else. Oh. Well, next time you should join that conversation. Because I've said this before, you just didn't happen to be there. But, but people's perceptions are based on their experience of you and what they're seeing from you. And so who you are in relationship to those people is actually that, even if your perception is something different entirely. And what Paul is saying is, I want to think of yourself in an accurate way with sober judgment in according to this, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Think of yourself in light of the way that God has given you faith and the way that He has given you grace. That's the place to start when you start to say, who am I? How do I measure up? Who, what do I look like? Begin with, in light of God's grace to you. That's a good place to start. That's going to both raise our estimation of who we are and lower our estimation of who we are in different areas. Because of God's grace to us, we are not as despicable as we think we are because we have been made righteous in Him. That's pretty great. That's, that's like when they talk about seeing yourself in a flattering light. That's a flattering light because God has changed you. It's not like smoke and mirrors camera tricks. It's like He's actually changed you, but our perception doesn't always match that. It hasn't gotten that far along. We don't see ourselves as holy yet and righteous yet, though God has already done that to us. At the same time, we need to have a humility because sometimes we overestimate our amount of effort and what we have managed to accomplish in our lives and don't realize that that's the grace of God and the mercy of God extended to us. And so we need to lower our estimation of ourselves and recognize humbly that it is by the grace of God that we are where we are. And so think of yourself with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So in the first place, as we are uh, trying to have a, a sober judgment to transform our thinking and be able to uh, present ourselves as living sacrifices, we need to have a right understanding of our self, uh, right self-perception in light of God's mercy. That's the place to start. Then the second place that we go is in light of our relationship to God's people. Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. 
For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Paul is writing here to a church that is fractured. They don't have a great appreciation of one another. They, they see what themselves as being better than some of those people. And they're getting into these little cliques where this clique considers themselves better than those people, and this clique considers themselves better than those people. And in the way that they're perceiving themselves, rather than looking just at the mercies of God, they're looking at how they relate to each other within the clique versus how they relate to those people over there in the other clique. And what Paul is saying is, look, this is one body of Christ. One body of Christ. And individually, each person in that body is a member with each of the other members. All of you tied together, connected. And I was trying to think of what, what's an illustration of this. And then I realized the illustration is right here in the body, right? Each member of the body being connected, having different roles, different functions. And I thought, but that everybody always uses that. Of course you know that. But on some kind of team, each person plays a different role. On a football team, right now, right now, playoffs. Each person on the football team has a different role. And yep, some people, we look at them and go, they are awesome and they are not. And you're looking at this quarterback and going, this quarterback is awesome and that quarterback is not. And you put all of the winning and the losing on the quarterback and there are a lot more guys playing on the field. And that quarterback might have a pretty high perception of himself, but if his offensive line is not protecting him and giving him time, there's not much he can do no matter how good he is. Because each person on the team functions together, works together, has an important role. From the starters and the quarterback to the backup kicker who might have to come in. They all have important functions in the way that they help each other, relate to each other, encourage each other, support one another, and serve in their capacity in their roles. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another." The idea that we are not connected to a church, or to the body of Christ, to other believers, or don't need to be. I, I saw a friend of mine, I went to college with him. We were uh, in the same Christian fellowship together. He is still leading in that, and he said something to the effect on Facebook about how um, there was not a biblical mandate to be a part of a church. And I went, What? What are you talking about? There's not a biblical mandate to be a part of the church. How can you do anything that is required of you or expected of you if you're not connected to a church? It just can't happen. You cannot be a member, one member connected to another as part of one body if you're disconnected. 
it just doesn't work. You can be an NFL player and you don't have to be on a team. What? No, that doesn't work. You're just some fool with a jersey. That, that's, not, that's not how it works. You have to be connected and interacting with or else it's not going to be there. And what he's saying is you have to begin, if you want a proper self-perception, you begin with how do you relate to God? According to the grace and mercies of God that He has brought you into fellowship with Him. That's step one. Step two, now, if you want a a proper self-perception, how are you relating within the body? You can't, you can't have a proper self-perception if you're not there. But I also want to point out the emphasis on unity here. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. We are United in Christ. We are united in Christ. We are very tempted often to look around and notice differences and see the things that would differentiate us from other people. And he does talk about that, right? Not each member has the same function. There are differences within the body, but the emphasis is on the unity and the connection. That's where the emphasis is. It's not in individual roles. Though, I, ironically, have seen this text and others like it used in that way. You are a member of the body. What's special about you? Let's make sure that you use your spiritual gifts according to the way that God has designed you because it's about You as an individual. In fact, as we look at this, uh, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. That's verse 6 having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Now, in the English version that I'm using here, the the English Standard Version, uh, it says, let us use them. And puts an emphasis on the let us use them. That's not actually in the Greek when Paul wrote it. If I were to read it a little bit more closely to the way that Paul wrote it, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. The end. The the having, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us is a description of how we are individually members one of another, but the emphasis is not on our using of individual gifts. The emphasis is even though we are different and there are differences about us, we are one body. That's all the emphasis. And so then what's following is not an explanation or an exhortation on how you ought to use your individual gifts within a body, 
but a description of how those who have different gifts are still one body. The emphasis is in a very different place. It's like looking in the mirror and seeing the left ear on the wrong side of your face from eye level because you're missing everything else. If you put the emphasis on the wrong place, you're missing the point. The point of this is that we are connected one with another. That's what the mercy of God has done. It's brought us into right relationship with Him and it has put a smack dab in the middle of a body of believers so that we can relate to one another. And the way that we're doing that is according to the grace that God has given to us. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given, given to us, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. So those, of, those who have uh, the, the gift or ability uh, of prophecy that is speaking God's truth to God's people, speaking the things that, that God wants His people to understand to them, that's in, a, in alignment with the faith that the person has. Because it's coming from an understanding of who God is and His Word. And we're bringing that to God's people. That's the prophecy part. Helping people to know this is what God wants from you. It's not this uh, special revelation thing or making things up that, that this is what you need to know. It's g- just taking what God wants you to know, my growth and understanding of faith, and helping you to understand the same thing. If prophecy in proportion to faith, that's what it means to be using the gifts, even though it might be different and not everybody is doing it in that same way. In ser- if service in our serving. Okay, so if we... Back up and and get the context again. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, if service in our serving. I love that we have prophecy and service back to back. There are other places where he talks about greater gifts or lesser gifts in, in Corinthians and things. That's not the point of this. The point of this is not to give a categorical list of gifts and that you must decide which of these do you have. It's just a representative example of a smattering of gifts in no particular order. This is how people, different people relate to the body. Some of them are uh, prophets who are speaking God's truth to God's people. Some people are serving, and it's in the way that they serve. That's how they're connected to the body. Some people are teaching, and it's in the way that they're teaching. That's how they're connected to and related to the body. Some people, it's in their exhortation. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. That is, that they come alongside and encourage. There are people in this body who have this ability in spades. They just walk alongside you and encourage you. Sometimes because of the English exhortation and, the, and exhorting, uh, we, we sort of see this as a um, encourage in a challenging sort of way. Like, Come on, you can do better than that. that. That's not really what it's talking about, though. This is more of a, 
how can I help you do better than this? It's a coming alongside, putting your arm around, walking with somebody in the tough stuff of life. That's what exhortation is. That kind of encouragement. That kind of support. And I see that here all the time with people walking alongside others who are hurting, others who are uh, struggling, whether that struggling is financially or with sin or with relationships with other people. Just walking alongside with your arm around them. And often, walking alongside with your arm around them and going, hey, come over here. They need some encouragement. Hey, does everybody else know about this? Because we really, we really need to take care of this. It's so wonderful to have people like that in the body. Those who are serving, those who are teaching, those who are exhorting, those who are contributing... The one who contributes in generosity. Now, now in the other ones, we've, we've had sort of a, if you're teaching, then you're teaching. If you're exhorting, then you're exhorting. Which, that's fine. But here now we have the one who contributes in generosity. And I just thought, as I was reading this list, that's a striking change. It doesn't say... Those who contribute in their contributions. So there's something about this that isn't just that you are contributing, but actually the attitude behind which uh, the contributions come. So there is a, a generous nature of the person who is contributing. They're not, they're not doing it in a stingy way. Well, yeah, I'm, gonna get, I'm supposed to give, so I'm gonna, it's a little bit in there. It, it, it's not the, the kind of grudging giving. Fine, you pass the plate again. If I have to. But just generously. We've got people like that in this church. Amazing. And I've been told before, you know, um, you know, uh, later on, when I'm making more money, then I can contribute more generously. I've heard that several times, but I have seen evidence the other way. There are people that are giving generously, not because they have an overabundance, but because in spirit they are generous. Awesome! We need people like that in the church. Great encouragement, great support, great demonstration of their understanding that this is my body that I'm a part of. This is the body of Christ. This is my way of of sacrificially giving myself to God. It's in part through the way that I contribute. The one who leads with zeal. Those those who who lead who who go, I'm I'm gonna do this. I'm all in. Uh, again, not with like a, well, if nobody else is going to do it, then I'll do it.
that you think it's enough if I just like lead a little? But rather lead with zeal, like bring energy. If, as long as you're going to step into this leadership, let's do this thing. Let's go. Here's where we're going. Bring people along. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This one's really hard for me. And by the way, if you think you're trying to look through this list and go, I think I'm this one. Most people are many or most of these. Or working on them. And you might be uh, really working on your generosity and it's not there yet. That's okay. We're all a work in progress. It's in... in, in uh, uh, what's the word? Proportion. Thank you. That's amazing. We should do like charades. It's, it's in proportion to the mercy and grace that we have received, Right? And so some people are further along. Some people have it in different areas. Not all members are the same, but we're, we're getting there. And so it's in, in prophecy or it's in serving or it's in teaching. It's in exhortation. It's in contribution. It's in mercy with cheerfulness. And this one is hard for me. Not because I'm unmerciful, although that's part of it, but more because I'm not cheerful when I'm being merciful. Walking alongside people, it's really easy to get into a pity party and not be cheerful. And so you're walking alongside this person who's really struggling and so you're mercifully uh, encouraging them or having mercy on them because they need that kind of compassion. And now the challenge to do that cheerfully. Both in the interaction and then afterwards. Right? How often have I gone and I've had mercy on somebody or compassion on somebody and then I've gone home and I've vented to my wife because do you know how much mercy I had to have today? And my wife is like, oh, please, go have mercy on more people. I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> With cheerfulness. There, there's not, it's not just the act itself, but the attitude behind it that is part of the self-sacrifice. And that's our spiritual worship. That's our spiritual worship in the way that we both relate to it and understand our relationship to God because of His mercy and grace toward us and in the way that we relate to, to the body of Christ. That is our spiritual act of worship. And Paul's saying, I want you to have a proper understanding and so I'm giving you some examples so that you can begin to see this. What it actually looks like. Because I know that you've been looking in the mirror in a sort of a dimly lit room and you have one uh, idea of who you are, but we're about to go in HD and have the cameras trained on you with spotlights and stuff's going to show up you didn't know was there. 
And so I want you to be aware of that so that you have a proper self-perception and so that you are relating well. That is your spiritual act of service. That is your spiritual act of worship. Because of what God has done for us. And so I, I want to encourage you this week as you're thinking about it, and you're thinking about, am I a worshipful person? I want you to think about, who are you in light of God's mercy and grace to you? And who are you in the way that you relate to God's people? And there are some of you who are going to uh, look at that and you're going to go, I am not where I want to be. And I want you to know that's okay. That's okay. None of us have reached glory yet. There are a few of you that are getting close. But none of us have reached glory yet. We're making progress. And the first step to go, getting there is a proper self-perception. And so if you are looking at yourself and evaluating yourself in a new way and the grace of God is working in you so that you can see some areas of your life that need to be improved, praise God for that and let's work on that together. Find an exhortation person to walk alongside you and say, hey, I need some help in this area. Maybe they're in your life group. Maybe the first step for you is you need to find a life group. Or a place to serve. Whatever it is, this is your spiritual act of worship. And let's be a body of Christ that worships with our whole being. And let's continue to be a body that is in unity with one another. Even though we're all different, let's continue to be in unity one with another because of the grace of God in our lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace to us. I thank you that uh, the, the things that we are seeing in the way that we offer ourselves to you is not done in our own strength but is done according to the strength that you have supplied. That apart from your grace, we would continue to be sinners far from you and disconnected from the body. And so even the fact that we are here this morning is by your grace. And so we praise you for that. But Lord, we believe that there is more. And we want to glorify you with our entire being. And so would you help us to see those areas in which we might glorify you better? And would you do that by helping us to see ourselves rightly before you? Father, we thank you for these things. And we want to praise you not only with our lives and our actions as we leave from this place, but also in song now. And so would you receive our praise in Jesus' name, amen.